Let me just begin with my message. You know, as you can see here, the scripture says here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. Um, I'll just get my phone. Where God was saying, where they keep on listening, but do not perceive. Then further it says that they keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Uh, or keep on hearing, but do not understand. You know? So here, basically, God was saying to the people of Israel that they kind of say that they worship God, they follow God, but yet they're not listening to me. They're hearing the words, but not listening to me. And then, in Isaiah 1, verse 3 says, An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Again here, you know, when, when it comes to us that, for us, that many times we can say, yes, we know God, we follow God, and God speaks to us, but how many of us we are listening to Him? How many of us we are listening to Him? And there is as if a battle in our life between our spirit, soul, and body, which I'll come to you in a minute. A battle between the flesh and the spirit. A battle to follow God. A battle to know God. A battle to see the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose in our life. A battle to walk in His ways. You know, the Bible says that Jesus paid the price for us on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years back. He died for us. He paid that price. He redeemed us. He saved us. So our spirit is saved, but our body is yet to be saved. Because the Bible says... In Romans 8.23, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So there is a time when Jesus comes in his glory where our body is going to be saved. While we live on this earth, there's a constant battle of the flesh. The scripture says, as we wait for the redemption of our body. Now, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for our salvation. But there is a time when we will be redeemed from this failing body. You know, Paul, he says in Romans chapter 7 verse 14, if you'd like to open your Bibles, it says... For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
Now here Paul, he uses this word carnal. In Greek, it is sarkikos because it was written in the original Greek language, which means basically to be governed by mere human nature and not by the Spirit of God. To be governed by the human nature. And Paul says that I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will, I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Does it sound familiar? We want to follow God. We want to do the things of God. We want to obey Him. But we do the otherwise. And then he says in verse 16, If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is, it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. He's talking about his flesh, his body. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, I mean it's a bit jumbling of the words. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But now he then goes on to talk about it. It's a very interesting chapter. Now he's talking about the battle between his spirit, soul, and body. And today, I would like to speak on this subject, the game of throne. The game of throne, who is winning? Who is winning? You know, I would like to do a series on this subject. It's a vast subject. It's a, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things to share on this. When, when we talk about Game of Thrones, you know, when you look in different stories in the Bible, it says, you know, it speaks about different kings when they came on throne, but there were enemies, there were people who want to dethrone them and take that throne. You know, we know about the story of Sennacherib, or Sennacherib, as someone says. In 2 Kings 19, verse 37, you know, this is a time when he goes back to Assyria. And when he goes back, you know, his two sons, they plot against him and kills him to take the throne. But because of all that has happened and fear comes in, they flee away from that place. And the other son, he takes the throne. Then we read the story about the game of throne with King David. His own son Absalom, he wanted to be on the throne. 
He wanted to dethrone his father. But then we also see Bathsheba, she wants her son to be on the throne. So in the history, we find that there has always been that game of throne. But when we look at our own life, own self, there is that battle between spirit, soul, and body. You know, the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, he says that the God of peace sanctify you. That means he will separate you unto him. He will separate you unto him, not just your spirit, but also your soul and your body so that you will be present, you will preserve blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most people actually believe that they are only made up of body and soul. They confuse soul and spirit as being basically the same thing. Therefore, on a day-to-day level, they only acknowledge a physical part and an emotional, mental, inner part. Commonly, we call it personality. Now, talking about the body, your body is obvious. You stand in the front of the mirror, you see your body. It's the physical part of you that can be seen. If you're talking to me face to face, you would be seeing my body, how handsome I am. You laughed. (laughs) I'm hurt. (laughs) So you're seeing my body, but when you're speaking to me, you're not speaking to my body. You're speaking to my soul, which is my mental, emotional part. Some people define soul as being your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul is what most people call their personality. If I put my hand on your shoulder, you'd know that I touched you. However, I can also touch you Whether I'm physically near or not, that is through my words. I can touch you where it can make you happy, sad, or angry, or hurt. And when I do that, when I say those words to you, I'm touching your soul. 
Now you can see in a mirror and see your body. You can see your face if there are any wrinkles on your face or any spots and you can do some maybe makeup to hide them or rectify them or, you know. You can do that by looking into the mirror. But what about your soul? What about your soul? How can you rectify those things that is painful? How can you rectify those things when you are in that place where you are emotionally down, when you are discouraged, disheartened, when you feel rejected, when you are feeling hurt? How can you do that? It is by reading the Word of God. Word of God is like a mirror. When you read the Word, the Word reads you. Hallelujah. The Word reads you. And that's why it is so important. That's why Bible time and again tells us, meditate on the word of God day and night. Even God said to Joshua, Joshua, if you want to lead this people of Israel who were stubborn and stiff-necked people, very hard to lead, if you want to lead them, meditate on my word day and night and obey them. In other words, God was saying, that's where you will find your strength. That's where you will find your mental capacity to cope with any challenges that you will face. Psalm 1 speaks about meditating on God's word day and night and you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water which will grow and bear its fruit in its season. It will not wither. That's how we can rectify the things of the soul. You know, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart says it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In a book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, now, the Bible time and again speaks about that we are dead spiritually or our spirit is dead. Now, when the Bible says that you're spiritually dead or your spirit is dead, it means or it doesn't mean that you, your spirit ceased to exist. Death doesn't mean that you cease to exist. exist, it means to be destitute of force or power 
It means to be inactive, inoperative. It means to be in a place of being dormant. It means that you have been separated from God. And that's what Paul is saying. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. I'll come to this in a minute. It speaks about desires of the flesh, that is your body, and your mind, that is your soul. And where by nature, children of wrath, just as the others, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved. It says that God in his rich mercy, we didn't deserve it, but he had grace on us. He had mercy on us. And it says he made us alive with Christ Jesus that means something happened to our spirit the day you accepted the Lord. The day something happened in your spirit where your spirit which was dormant, inactive, dead, suddenly it came alive. Where you had that relationship with God. Something within connected with God. You know, I don't know about you, I still remember when I was young, you know, I was given this Gideon Bible, and I, I used to read the Bible, it, and by the way, it was in King James Version for a little kid, <laughs> and I was reading the Bible, and it made no sense to me. I read the stories about what Jesus did. It was all right for the knowledge, but it made no sense to me. But the day when I was born again, the day when I came to know the Lord, and when I started reading the Word, wow, it made a difference. Because something within me, something happened to my spirit. My spirit came alive. And that's what Paul is talking about. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying our spirit came alive and we were connected to God who is seated on the throne. Does it make sense to you? And it says in verse 7 that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, the word of God says he wants to show his exceeding grace to you. There may be time you might fail. 
There may be time you might falter. There may be time when you are discouraged and down. But God says, I will show my exceeding grace to you that I will pull you out of that pit. And then it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not your works what you did. But the gift of God, it says, lest anyone should boast. Then verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are God's workmanship. If you think you're good for nothing, if you think that people have looked down upon you and have rejected you and ignored you, the good news is this, beloved, to you, that you are God's workmanship. Amen? Can you look at each other and say, hey, you are God's workmanship. Patty is looking at John and she's kind of doubting. <laughs> For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, God has a plan and purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. And his desire is that you should walk in them. Amen? You should walk in them. You know, then John 3, 3 says, where Jesus answered and said to him, talking to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the word here, born, means to bring forth or spring forth or come forth it is like coming out or coming forth from a dormant state, from a state of being inactive, coming to a place, you know, where you are connected to God, where you know Him. That's born again. Born again. And then John 6.63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, you are spirit and they are life. Now Jesus is saying, you know, he's saying that it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh will profit nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. To your spirit and they bring life. Now talking about spirit... Our spirit is composed of three, that is, conscience, fellowship, and intuition. You know, just as our body has many parts, so does our spirit and our soul. Our spirit is composed of three, as I said. The first one is the conscience. is for us to discern right from wrong. Now, some theologian say 
you know, conscience is part of our soul. But I believe that it's part of our spirit. It's for us to discern right from wrong, to justify or to condemn. In Romans 9 verse 1 says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Then it says in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. You can see the capital yes and small yes. The capital S is the Holy Spirit and the small s is our spirit. With our spirit that we are God's children. And second one is fellowship. Fellowship is for us to contact God and to have communion with God. And we see that in John 4, 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Romans 1, 9 says, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. So Paul is saying that whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel you know, I'm, I'm a witness for him. Then the third one is intuition. It means to have a direct sense of feeling in our spirit regardless of reason or circumstance. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So there is something that happens in your spirit that you can feel something that God is doing. There are times when you can experience something which is beyond our understanding, beyond, you know, uh, our experiences in the outside world. The three parts of the soul... Now this is, today I'm just giving you the introduction. The three parts of the soul, mind, emotion, and will. Mind is for thinking, considering, and remembering. And you can see here in the scripture, you know, it says, in Psalms 139 verse 14, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. It makes me to think and I know it. Lamentation 3.20 says my soul still remembers and sinks within me. And then Emotion, another part of the soul, is for us to love. And it is that place even you can hate, you can dislike, you can like, you can be joyful, you can be grieved. And you can have all those feelings of positive or negative are those in the part of soul. You know, Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. I, my soul shall be joyful in my God. It says, my soul. 
My emotions will be joyful in the Lord. And then it says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. The soul of the emotions of all the people were grieved. Then we see the well. My soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me, Job 6, 7. The will is also part of the soul. It is the past, a part through which we have our purposes and choice and the decisions that make in life. You know, First Chronicles 22, 19 says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. Therefore, Lord your God, therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. You know, if you remember David, he says, Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So probably he's not feeling like blessing the Lord. Maybe his mood is not good. Maybe he has gone through a situation. He doesn't feel like praising and exalting God. But he's telling his soul to his will, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know, then our body has five senses, sight or vision, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Now, I'll be elaborating on this more in the coming days. And we'll be talking about the game of throne. The spirit, body, and soul that God created have a distinct function. The spirit within us is the part that knows God intimately. It is God conscience, conscious. Our body is the shell we dwell in. It is world conscious. The soul is our intellect will and emotion, it is self-conscious. So a person or a human being is a spirit that inhabits a body and possesses a soul. You got it? A person is a spirit that inhabits a body and possesses a soul. Your flesh, your body will fade away. One day we'll die, but our spirit will go to the Lord. Then, I'm very close to the end. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, Watch and pray lest you, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see the battle here? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what was the problem here? The problem was Jesus wanted his disciples to pray, 
because some trouble was coming so that they will not fall into temptation. And he was telling them, pray. But when he came back, what did he see? He found them sleeping. Second time it happened. Then that's what Jesus is saying. The spirit ended is willing, but the flesh is weak. If I ask you today and say, um, would you like to pray? Get up in the morning and pray. Have that come in. How many of us we desire really get up early morning and pray? And the first thing we need to have communion with God and fellowship and read his word, study his word. But in fact, how many of us we struggle with that? So your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. There is that game of throne and who is winning who is winning and today that's what I would like to encourage you this morning we'll be looking into it more on this subject there is a constant battle between our spirit soul and body Spirit is where you commune with God. It is in that relationship with God. But then your soul, your emotions, your will comes in between. You know, it just takes one person to offend you with something and you feel hurt and down. And that becomes a block for you to have that communion with God. Your flesh... Always battles, always battle. You know, maybe you want to go to church on Sunday morning, but you are so exhausted and tired, you don't want to, maybe you don't want to go to church. Your flesh is saying to you, it's all right. It's fine, don't go to church, just sleep over. And there is that constant battle we have. And that's where we struggle. And that's why I always say all these temptations when they come. Now, temptation is not sin. But when you yield to that temptation, that's where the sin takes place. As someone said, you can't stop the birds flying over your head but you can stop the birds building nest over your head. And listen to this very carefully. As a great man of God said, when you sow a thought, you reap a conduct, an action. And when you sow that conduct, you reap a character. And when you sow that character, you reap your destiny. What are you led by? What are you led by? Who is in charge of your life? Is it your body? Is it your soul? Or is it your spirit? Which is alive in communion with God. Romans 8 says, that I can put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit of God. 
That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit who helps us, who strengthens us, who leads us, who guides us, who shows us the way, who empowers us. And every time that you struggle, come before him and say, Holy Spirit, I'm struggling in this area. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I can't forgive this brother or sister. I'm hurt. I can't even stand them. I can't even see them. Holy Spirit, help me to forgive and to show that love. Give me that agape love, sacrificial love that I will be able to show love to that brother or sister whom I hate so much as Christ did for us. Holy Spirit helps you. Holy Spirit helps you to overcome every struggles of our life. So I'll ask the worship team to come and lead us into a song and play the music. And as they do that, let us all close our eyes. And come before God and say to God, Lord, help me. Help me to be an overcomer. Open my eyes, open my heart. Help me to see. You remember that scripture in the beginning which I shared? My people hear but they are not listening they see but they are not pursuing if you are in that place ask God to open your eyes open your ears open your heart you are God's workmanship. And His grace abounds in your life more and more. Because He has a plan, He has a purpose for you. He has a destiny for you. Ask the Holy Spirit even now. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me. Let all those struggles of, in my flesh be gone, become powerless. Help me, Holy Spirit. All those battle and struggle of my emotions, my will and my mind, which is constantly distracted with all the other things and which pulls me down which holds me back. Help me, Lord. Give me the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of Christ. Fill me, Lord.
even as we worship now with this song just commune with god let this be your prayer amen